Welcome to another episode of How You Can Do with your host, your boy, Alvy, a.k.a. Danny, a.k.a. Mr. You Can Too. In today's show, we have my great friend, Joe DiStefano, a.k.a. Coach Joe D.I. in the building. Joe and I first met through his Runga retreats, and I must say, meeting Joe has brought so much joy and value to my life. He was one of the first people to set up a space where I was able to meet so many like-minded people, share that space with them, and really tap into being my authentic self. And I will always, always, always be indebted to Joe for that. And into this today's episode, we dive deep into his new transition into fatherhood. We talk about how people can boost their immune health during this time. We have a really great conversation around wearing masks, what it means, and both of our perspectives on the current state of essentially the U.S. as it relates to the coronavirus and the pandemic. I think you all are going to get so much for this episode. And if you do find value, please be sure to share it with your friends, family, and loved ones. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, you are all in for a special, special treat. I got my man, Joe DiSafano, in the building coach, founder of Runga, host of the Stacked Podcast, and I'm so grateful to have had him in my life for the last couple years because he is just a beacon of light and such an amazing soul and somebody that I know that you all can learn so much from and everything health, wellness, and even common sense. Joe, welcome to the show, my brother. Hey, Danny. Thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure and honor to be here. And uh, I'll tell you, man, I remember the day that you came into our life and you're a light yourself, man. We immediately just immediately. It's funny. I was like, I don't want to say fell in love, but we fell in love with you immediately. (laughs) Amelia and I were like, oh, my God, he is just like so amazing. And it was funny, too, because when we first met, we had only seen your name on a um, on a on a you know on the registration form, <laughs> and we didn't know somehow. Like you remember this? You remember the room you got put in? Of and course. We 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 made a mistake when we saw <laughs> Alvi, and I think I want to say that there was some a typo on your intake or your registration. So we we didn't know you were a man. We thought you were a woman because <laughs> 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 we had all these. And I, and so you were in a uh, a room of of all women, and then you know when we met, we were like, hey, who is that? And so, but point of the story is like, I think sometimes when you meet somebody and there's a backstory, there's like something that makes that stand out. Um, there's kind of a reason, right? So it's a little bit like when my son was born, like some of the things that we went through in his in the pregnancy and the birth. It's, it's in many ways preparing us for the life that he's about to live and the role that we're going to have to assume. And, um, and so with you, the way you came into our life and, you know, we had made a mistake and we just, we saw you, we met you, we understood the situation, but your, 
grace and, you know, immediate like forgiveness, positive attitude. You know, for us, it was it was really just incredible to see. And we were immediately like, there's something about that guy. There's something about that guy that's just amazing that we like, that we want to hug close and we want to keep him. We want to keep him as part of this or whether it's Runga or uh, going on his podcast, whatever it is, like whatever we can do for that guy, we're going to do. And so we said that whatever it was three or four years ago now. And um, so anyways, brother, right back at you. Appreciate the intro. No, and I appreciate that. It's so funny. I remember when I did walk into the room the first time and I saw it was with uh, with Jessica and Angela. And I remember sitting there thinking like, oh, this must just be like a really progressive like retreat. <laughs> Like, that's cool that we could all just room together. That's something a little different. <laughs> and then we come together and they're like, oh, we thought you were a woman. I'm like, oh, well, that's all right, too. That's still pretty cool. And yeah, it, it's so cool to be in that Runga experience because that was my first time being in such an intimate setting with so many people who shared the same values as me around everything health, not just in the physical sense, but in the the spiritual sense, the emotional sense, the the mental sense. It was all extremely powerful. It was such a great experience. And um, I have so many friends who see like the different pictures and the things that went on and like, bro, when's the next Ranga trip? When's the next Ranga trip? And I'm like, man, if it, if it ever goes international again, which, you know, in these times, who knows if anything's going to be international again, even though that's a joke, it better be or I'll be upset. But uh, <laughs> yeah, man, it was such a great experience, man. I really, really, really appreciate that yeah man and and we're coming back i mean we're launching a a program next month that we want you involved in and um uh, that'll be an online community that uh is going to be like nothing else out there uh i'm super super excited about it we can talk more about it later if you want to uh and yeah you know it's a wild and crazy time on this planet right now and you know in terms of international you know we 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 took it home and started doing u.s events because we realized how many you know, speed bumps and, and, uh, curve balls can be dealt to you when you are, you know, uh, 20 hours from home or, mm. you know, seven hours from the airport in Panama or, you know, wherever we might've been. And, and when that affects the experience or, um, gets in the way of somebody's experience that we are desperately trying to give them, um, you know, those, those are the reasons we, we brought it home so we could make sure we could deliver the product that we wanted to deliver and there was nothing that could get in the way um, or fewer things that could get in the way of our of our guests, you know, having the experience that, you know, they deserve. So but stay tuned, you know, as the world turns and, and we make our way through this storm, you know, sky's the limit. We'll see. Yeah, I'm super hyped for it. I can't wait to talk more about it after and see what that leads to. That's for sure. And Joe, I know that you recently became a new father to young Leon Thor. You got it. And man, what a beautiful, beautiful baby he is. And even before you had a child, like I always experienced you as extremely, just a huge light, extremely grateful, huge heart, funny, like always looking to be of service. Like I look at you as one of the few men that I'm like, wow, like that's something that, you know, I can aspire to be like. What is it like now for you in your growth as a father and what's starting to change in how you view life? Wow. Well, thank you, Danny. And uh, so it's been a journey, man. I mean, I'm in month three. So, you know, there's some there's some seasoned professionals out there that 
<laughs> that I need to look up to and, and learn from. But my own, you know, my own kind of journey, I'll say that um, it's, as Britta Bushnell says, who, you know, she has a book called Transformed by Birth, and she has a workshop that we attended, and she's an amazing person and amazing friend, and, um, you know, the way she describes it, and it was so true, and, you know, kind of, uh, you know, the, the full story of my kind of parental journey is, you know, I lost my dad two years prior to becoming a dad, right? Mm. So the that sort of gap, those gap years, um, it's really interesting um, and, and obviously challenging to lose a parent. And um, when you're, let's go two years prior to Leon Thor being born, you know, I was somebody's son. Mm. You know, when I, at whatever level I was looking in, you know, I was who I was and I was this person's son. And when that person moves on, you're still that person's son, but there's this slight, there's this slight, um, sort of like you're without a paddle. There's this slight, Mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm on a, now I'm on a lily pad without any other lily pads, you know, now I'm, Mm now I'm in this place where I need to really, I don't have somebody to, I can't go ask my dad what he thinks about this. You know, I can't, um, I can't call him up. I can't. So there's this sense of, uh, almost ungroundedness. And, and that's why it takes so long to just get through that because you lose this pillar. And even if, you know, um, even if, uh, my relationship with my dad, which wasn't like, wasn't unhealthy, but it wasn't as deep as I wish it was. But even still, there's still like a rock in your existence and in your world that you know is there. And when it's not there anymore in the form that you're accustomed to, um, there's this there's this transitional time that takes a long time. I mean, I'm, I'm still going through it and I learned that, you know, kind of the hard way. And then when you become somebody's dad, when you become someone else's dad, that moment that that head pokes through and you see this, this, you know, there's a massive clock, you know, there's a massive hand on the clock that just goes tuck and wow. just moves. And it's been 35 years since the hand on that clock has moved. Oh, wow. And, um, when it moves, it's this like, you know, when it moves, it's this like wildly spiritual, like no drugs required, like mm. <laughs> experience where it's like you feel that transition and you know in this moment, like there's no going back. And I think that that, mm. I think the important thing that that hand of the clock taught me is that I think before you're a dad and, you know, maybe like, you know, there's like some people listening and they're like, I want to be a dad someday. And if you're having that feeling, then you should go for it. But it's, um, I think when we're in that place, we're thinking like having, having a child, having a kid, having a man, having a daughter, uh, would be so much like, Oh my gosh, like you got to have your ducks in a row. You got to like have money in the bank. You got to have like your feet on the ground. You got to have like your shit together and you got to be you know, ready to do this and ready to do that. And we think it's very like Apollonian. We think it's very like, um, just like we treat everything else. Like what happens, 
you know, uh, you go to work from nine to five and then you take the train home and then you, you know, watch TV. And we think of everything as being in these constructs, right? Like every workout is an hour and every, you know, every set is 10 reps. And, you know, so we put everything in these boxes. And when we're years, one year, one day, 10 years before becoming a dad, we're thinking of a dad in the concept or in a projection of our current existence and wondering how people do it. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's but real. Sh- shit, dude, like I got to go to the gym five hours a week. Oh, I got to like, you know, I got to go to work and I got to like, you know, I got, I got to, I can't even dress myself. Now I got to dress someone else. So there's <laughs> this like, but the, the wild thing is, is like the whole nine months before you become a dad, when you know it's in the cards, you're like reading, like, I think, you know, we we uh we emptied the 401k just to buy all the baby books you know it's like you gotta <laughs> you gotta you know do some work and really prepare and figure out what a dad is and um and then that clock that hand of the clock just goes Chick! and dude like you're just a different person now now like when you go you know you look at all of these things that you know your priority one two three four five six seven eight nine and ten now that's 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, right. 17, 18, 19, 20. And there's this other thing that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. And there's this, you are just changed. It's like you see the world different. You feel things differently. Your mind works differently. Like you might not like coffee anymore, Danny. Like oh. there's this like stuff that happens. Like you change from the inside out mm. and there's nothing you can do. There's no book. There's no like formula. There's no, just like birth. And I think that's the amazing thing about birth is that, you know, we try to like put constructs around that too. And how some women, you know, they're, they're in and out in a couple hours and other women have to, you know, labor for, for 30 hours. And so there's no like preparation. You just got to like, the only work you need to do is inner work. And so you can handle and roll with the punches. But um, I think that's the big thing is that realize we got 2.6 million years of parental evolution inside of us somewhere. And all you got to do is get out of the way. And you don't have to learn anything. You just have to work on yourself and get out of the way of nature. And then um, and then the last thing, Danny, is um, I'm in month, just entering month three and I'm feeling like another, maybe it's like the second hand, but I'm feeling another shift where the first, definitely the first month, like you forget you have a kid. Like you're, cause you're so, <laughs> you're so tired and yeah. like, you know, and, and our baby is like, we're so lucky. Like, let's be serious. He's been sleeping through the night since like the first week. It's like crazy oh, how like, yeah, he got all his mom's genes. Like, it's fantastic but um but like but my sleep completely changed and, and a little tidbit like i said you're a new person i've never been able to function on less than like seven or eight hours of sleep a night or i'm a zombie and i can't function now i don't even need to sleep and i'm good because i'm a dad <laughs> like what? you know we could we could we can make it and um but i'll say uh, and then i'll put a bow on this it's that in the first month like you have to pinch yourself at some point in every single day and like, Oh, look at this beautiful thing in my arms. Or like when he's, when he's sleeping and you're just like, Oh my gosh, look at what, 
what did we do? You know, it's like, you know, and there's this, like, you're in the first month, you are all like constantly poking yourself constantly, like, like trying to like, like, like deal with the gravity of the situation. And, um, not that it's, it's beautiful. It's loving. It's, um, just magical, but it's you, there's a transitional period. And now, now like month three, this kid is like, I, I don't want to say a part of me because he's more than that, but like he is everything. He is everything to me. It's like I, before we put the show on, I, I started recording. I was like, you know, if he like, if he coughs, I like, I, I want to get in the way of that cough because if, if it progresses and I need to, I need to know what he's dealing with, you yeah. know, and there's this like profound, uh, protective but also just nurturing and this like he is the ability to I mean and even some of the things I've been sharing on social media it's like you know I, I, I'm not a big fan of like putting my brand or my image or my reputation or my credibility on the line for you know politics or anything else but like right. this is going to impact him right. more than it more than it's going to impact me and so you know, scorch the earth. I'm going to get out there and do what I can because when he's 20 and, you know, something, um, you know, something is in his world that began in my world and he says, dad, what did you do to stop this? Mm. I don't want to say, I didn't want to lose my followers. So I stayed <laughs> quiet, but I knew that shit was coming. And so I'm just, now it's, um, that's a good example of how you see the world different, you know, Six months ago, I wouldn't post anything even close to controversial, really, because I, I can't polarize people, insult people, or question people, or, or make people feel bad, or, or risk losing followers that could become clicks, that could become downloads, that could become subscribers. So there's this whole like cascade when you're an influencer, and I use that term very carefully, but that's just what people call people on Instagram, yeah. um, or with podcasts, or whatever. Um, if I'm an influencer, then that's the people being influenced. That's I'm just putting out information. Like you don't have to listen to it if you don't want to. But um, the um, that's a good example of things that change. So right. I was I was a person that was just trying to push out information that would um, support people's journey. Of course, that's my goal is to empower health and happiness and that was all I did. But now I'm seeing that if I'm going to empower health and happiness, I have to empower decision-making and choice and awareness. Mm. And that's way less comfortable than saying you should run with your mouth full of water with no shoes on. Right. So here's where we are, my man. Um, yeah. I mean, um, I think it's powerful. I, I appreciate you sharing all of that. And there's so many great nuggets in there to unpack one of the biggest takeaways I got is that your perspective on yourself on your career on how you show up in general has profoundly shifted now that Leon's here and it's so funny that you talk about fatherhood in that way because my girlfriend and I we're having a conversation just last week and we talk about marriage we talk about kids we know both of those things are on our horizon and she talks to me about how she can literally right now physically feel motherhood and then for me as a man like 
I'm so excited to be a father in the future, but I can't like viscerally feel it like she can right now. And I went through this whole, you know, meditation when I was sitting there and like really embodying being a father. And I came to this realization that, man, until my, my son or daughter's here, like I'm not going to be able to really, to really feel it in a way that's going to feel as real as the baby actually being here. And I think that what you said plays into that so well, because it's like, yeah, you can, you can read all the books for the next nine months during the pregnancy. You can have all of these ideas of like what being a father looks like and, you know, put it in a box. And, you know, once Leon Thor was born, it was like, boom, this whole huge shift that you hadn't felt in 35 years is now here and now it's literally changing everything about you even your sleep right thinking man seven eight hours i can't i can't get less than that and then i was like all right five or six zero hours like yo i'm good i'm a dad like it it really makes shows me now that like when they talk about dad strength it's not just a physical thing it's way more than that yeah man well and it's also like your you your your transparency or your um like inner lie detector test. Mm. So I'll give you a, I'll give you another example, dude. Like I I haven't worn an activity tracker or a ring bio strap. I haven't looked at my heart rate variability in a year. Wow. And sure, I did it every day for eight years prior to that. So I think I know how magnesium affects me by this point. I know how alcohol affects me by this point. But point is, the funny thing is is when Amelia was pregnant, I would often, just about all the time, I would sleep with my hand on her belly. Mm. And I started to think, just intuitively, like, is this thing dishing Bluetooth? And is this dishing, like, Mm. you know, what kind of activity tracking? And this was a visit that I had to Paul Check's house, and he had this um, incredible statue that he made of of rock and it's his water charger so what he does is he basically takes these five gallon bottles of water that's like the cleanest water you can get and he puts it inside this pyramid that he made of rocks and the rocks are very strategically placed and you know there's granite and there's quartz and that's a yin and yang type relationship between those rocks and when you spiral them and stack them in the right way um, and you put the water in there you're putting the water into just this incredible energy vortex and it was so insane when he was like, okay, I want you to put your hand on this rock and I want you to put your hand on this rock and I just want you to feel that flow of energy in there. And so get real mindful and get into it and get into your body. And I was like, Paul, I like don't feel anything. And then he goes, take off all that crap you're wearing. Take off. So I take off the bracelet, I take off the ring. And then all of a sudden it's like, just the energy is just running through me. Wow. So there's this, uh, that kind of created a scenario that like these benign things we do, um, you know, they're, they're, they're doing something. And just because right. we don't understand them, and, and just like my podcast with Darren Oline is like, you know, pretty soon there's going to be more information in a single drop of water than there is in your computer. Wow. And we're just beginning to learn about our actual real existence. And now the last thing I'll say is that. Uh, when you're becoming a dad and you're in that journey and it's the nine-month head start, what am I going to do, Danny? What am I going to do? Look at my HRV and tell 
tell my pregnant wife that needs me that I didn't get enough sleep. I didn't get enough REM last night. And so I got to, you know, you got a two month old baby. What do you need to know what your HRV is? You got shit to do and you're doing it no matter what. So you better, you know, not get in your head about it and, and spawn that belief. And that was the other thing that Amelia would say to me when I would get up and I wouldn't even be out of bed yet. And then she'd say, are you seeing, are you checking how good you feel over there? And, um, <laughs> So anyways, all these truths started to unravel and, and you, you, so this, this new person, that clock, that hand switching, uh, from 12 to one or whatever, um, you start to look at things differently. And I, you never would have pried that ring off my finger, you know, prior to this experience. Yeah. It's incredible how much perspective and habits can change and thought patterns once fatherhood happens and something that I've seen since you've become a father is this level of transparency that you briefly or that you previously just spoke on. And you were saying how, you know, before you had this fear of potentially losing followers and that may down the road lead to lost business. However, now that you're a father and understanding like it's much bigger than my business, this is the world that my son is going to be living in and growing in and thriving in. So now I get to step out of this comfort zone and really come from a place of integrity and truth. And and I really appreciate that for you or from you. And we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, but I was like, man, Joe, like with everything that's going on in the world right now with COVID-19, you know, people, how they're showing up, like all of the politicizing that's going on between masks versus no masks, like waiting for a vaccine versus other remedies. And it's one of the things that's troubling me the most right now is that it seems like people are so afraid to critically think. It's a matter of, okay, this is what I saw this person say, so it's a fact. Or this is what I saw on CNN or Fox News, so it's a fact. This is what you know. most doctors that I see in media are saying, so it's a fact. And what I think is so tough is that because people aren't critically thinking, they're not in a place to find, like, what is it that really works for them or not? Like, what's really effective or not, especially when we talk about health? From your perspective what would you say are the best ways to be healthy during this time? Um, Not just in the physical sense, but as we talk about mentally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. Yeah, Danny, you know, and um, you know, it was a, it was a heartbreak about a week ago. I, I listened to a podcast that I recorded at the end of 2019 and looking back on 2019 and the issues that came up in my coaching clients, the issues that I saw in um, on, on social media or in um, the media. There, at the end of 2019, there was this humongous deficit of belonging in our populace. There was a tremendous deficit of serotonin running through our brains and when you trace these things back, you know, we see the decline over the last couple of decades in religion, and now we're seeing an uptick in spirituality, which is really an interesting time. Um, but what we're also seeing with that downplay of religion, the, the, the 
great thing about organized religion is that at least you know you've got someone to, somewhere to be every Sunday. You've got your tribe. You've got the folks you can lean on, rely on, ask questions to, believe in, feel connection with, and you get that. You get that dose every week, and maybe you get it twice a week. Depends. Um, and when that falls away, just like when I lost my dad, where our our tribe is missing and our our that that long standing. Uh, connection to a community is um, is something that is uniquely human, right? You know, ever since we were sitting around a campfire, we had our tribe, yep. and that tribe leads to purpose. And when we lose the tribe, we lose connection with our purpose. And when we lose our connection with our purpose, we lose ourselves, and we start acting in very deleterious ways. And when we're trying to find our purpose and why we're here and what we can offer. The prerequisite oftentimes is a tribe. And if the prerequisite is a tribe, then we need to hang on to whatever tribe we can get. And in 2019, I saw this when the uh, movie came out, the Netflix documentary about being a vegan and whatever the hell it was. And it was, Mm -hmm. it created this massive polarity. And all of a sudden, like, you know, the, and, and I felt the emotion, the, feuding the the fighting on social media about you know are the plant-based diets and you know the carnivore diets I could never eat meat you don't need to eat meat you know there was all of this but like at the root is people found a tribe and once you find a tribe you protect that thing with your life I mean every war ever was fought now look at the religious wars I mean when you belong to something and you're fighting for something bigger than yourself uh, there's nothing you won't do, say, or believe. And that's what we're seeing now. And it's, again, it was a heartbreak to me because in many ways I, I saw the sort of underpinnings of what we're seeing now in politics. And right now what right. we're seeing, I believe, is politics. And, and I've, I've stated a few um, um, things in support of this on social media and, and interviews like this. But the... The rumblings were there. The pre, like in many ways, the Game Changer movie, the vegan movie, was mm-hmm. the, like, to me, it was like, I wish I knew that that would lead to this because it was mm-hmm. the same psychological deficits that led to the feuding and the arguments and the debunking there. And mm-hmm. now they are so much bigger than how many tomatoes did you eat this week? <laughs> and, um, so that's where I think we're at. Yeah, it's a it's it's such an interesting place to be right now because like you said, we are as human beings tribal beings and we're meant to be in a group and the last thing that we want to be is to be ostracized or exiled from the group. And just like you said in the example of, you know, the Game Changers movie, you have, you know, two polarized sides where it was meat is terrible for you and then the other side is meat is amazing for you and then you have you know sprinkled everything else in between and like you said people are going to die fighting to be right about whatever their group belief is which is problematic and then that's the end of 2019 and we fast forward into 2020 where right now we're experiencing and which is interesting too i was gonna say we're experiencing a lot of deaths which Every year we experience a lot of death and we experience a lot of death from 
unhealthy lifestyle choices, right? And that's how I lost my mother. I know you spoke about in great depth how you got to where you are because of um, your dad's health growing up. So I definitely understand this part. But now that the way these deaths are being portrayed, we have a lot of people who are on essentially two different sides, which is crazy. Like it's, it's such a nuanced thing. I don't know how there could only be two sides, but it seems like people are either on this, you know, you have to wear a mask, you have to get a vaccine, you have to stay away from people. Um, and if you don't do any of those things, you're extremely selfish. And then it seems on the other side, or at least how they try to paint it is that, well, if you're not those things, well, then that means that if you don't wear a mask, you're super inconsiderate. You don't care about other people's lives. You are a Republican, which is crazy to me also. But it's like, you know, it's all BS, right? Like this is just what's getting portrayed. This is what's getting spat out. However, going back to thinking critically, there's so much that we get to do as individuals to, to one, inform ourselves. And then from there, be able to be of service to others. And that's what, why I really appreciate the work that you're doing now because you are taking this stand where it's really about like, hey, build up your immune health first and foremost. Like if you have a mask, but your immune health is terrible, the mask isn't going to save you, right? So it's like, it's such a, delicate situation and conversation to have because some people and in my experience many people will try to take what I say from a pragmatic logical like health focused point of view and try to turn it into something that it's not and it goes right back into that us versus them mentality that you were speaking on and I would love to know what what your experience has been, what you have found to be effective in helping people understand what boosting your immune system naturally can do for you going forward at a time like this. 100% Danny. And, and I'm sorry that I didn't really answer your, your last question very succinctly or specifically, but so, and I think what you're saying too is, is how you know you're dealing with, uh, you know, kind of politicized environment. And, and I think also, I, I think the more people, the more of your thoughts that you've outsourced. So if somebody is getting all of their news, like you said, from the main media networks or this Twitter uh, character, you know, the, the more of your thinking you've outsourced, the harder you'll fight to protect your thinking because you don't have anything behind it. Right. Right. And it's very uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable because if somebody pokes a hole in this thing that you borrowed, now you're without a paddle. Now you and and this is what's actually happening right now. And it's why, you know, it's um, I joked on Twitter the other day that like you know people that get their news and they're debunking at the same store is just the worst because because <laughs> yeah. You, there's nothing you can say and you know you're talking to, you know, uh, a, a puppet. But when I've, when I've spoke out about the immune system, right, you know, people say like, what's your problem, Joe? You know, it's like wearing a seatbelt. You got to wear your seatbelt when you get in the car. It's the law. 
That may be true in most states. I don't know if that's true in every state. <laughs> but if I'm wearing my seatbelt, first of all, when I get out of the car, I don't take the seatbelt with me. Right. Sec- second <laughs> of all, I still put gas in my tank. I still put air in the tires. I still listen to uh, music like we talked about before we started recording. I listen to Bob Marley in the car. I listen to Kundalini music. Uh, you know, I, I use my mirrors when I drive because we need to actually gain awareness and build a safe tra- safe vehicle to travel in. So in other words, mm. how many times in the last decade have you driven in a car and how many times did you need the seatbelt? Right. Maybe none. I know I've had my license for 20 years and I've had three accidents where the seatbelt, actually the funny thing is one of the accidents, I wasn't wearing a seatbelt and that was a good thing because I hit, I got hit on the driver's side door and because I didn't have my seatbelt, I just flew into the passenger seat. So it's kind of an interesting twist there. But um, I think when we think about uh, what I was saying about 2019 and the sort of like rumblings I saw just in these very relatively minor minuscule events or or concepts like what kind of diet do you eat if we can fight this hard about Hmm. about diet imagine if we ever had a real problem and who knew that this was going to be the 2020 we had but back to you know how do we stay healthy in 2020 it's like you know we absolutely need a tribe we absolutely need our friends and we see right now alcohol 55% increase and the funny thing is in March I could find all kinds of statistics on this stuff and now I can't it's wow. far more challenging because I'm sure it's getting worse but it's not good for business so mm-hmm. but as of March alcohol sales were up 55% hard alcohol sales were up 75% Jeez. Uh, uh, alcohol delivery services were up 300%. Uh, depressant, antidepressant prescriptions were up 35%. And now we're seeing after six months of this, uh, suicides just going wild. And states, yeah. I believe Oregon has more suicide deaths than COVID deaths at this point. Yeah. Um, and so when it comes to uh, optimizing the immune system, number one, we absolutely need social behavior. I was just um, uh, listening to a podcast with, um, I think his name is uh, Kurt Witt. It was a uh, Living 4D episode, but he talked about how babies, kids, their auditory learning systems, they can learn almost anything as long as it's a human speaking the lesson, but they cannot Mm. learn from a screen. They cannot learn from any other medium outside of a human voice and human contact. So when we think that FaceTime is doing the same thing, absolutely not. I mean, we are energetic beings. You know, we've got an aura field and, you know, the socially distancing thing um, is is basically, you know, stopping any any particle transmission and any potential of picking up on energies and love and kindness and compassion from people around us that are dishing it in their energy field. Um, But when we look at how to stay, how to stay healthy, Danny, we... We absolutely need some sort of tribe. We need to belong. We need to feel a sense of purpose. We need to get up every single day and know our purpose. And if we don't, it's going to be very challenging and hard. And I'll tell you what, the last two weeks I've shared more on this than I've ever shared before. And the amount of inner work I did in the mornings, I would get up 
and I would get up really early and I would go for a walk, I would go with the dog, I'd tie the dog up, I'd sit in the sun as close, almost naked, just get that early morning sun exposure and I would sit there for an hour, I would sit there for an hour and a half with just my eyes closed and just really going deep because I knew this was gonna be a battle today because it's mm -hmm. very hard, even if you're just posting on social media to deal with the, uh, the messages, the hate, the unfollows, the, um, the emails, the, the uh, problems from family members. I mean, this has ripped me out of many family and friends, uh, many circles. So when, we, when you're gonna battle that, the amount of inner work you need to do, and I talked about this a lot with Amelia because it's like, holy smokes, if, if, if what I've been doing in my journal and in my quiet time and in my mindfulness time and my meditations and in my exercise and in my inner love, if that's not enough to get through five hours of Instagram, like, oh, mercy. Imagine if I wasn't doing it. Imagine. Right. And when you look at the people that are sharing the most, often they're the most religious. And um, so we absolutely need that uh, backbone. Now, when we get into the immune system, the, there's a lot of sort of anecdotal stuff. Number one, like when it comes to um, flus and things, I mean, vitamin C and zinc are just indisputably the champions, right? It's like, it's like if we're not taking vitamin C and zinc right now, like we're, we're out of our mind. Now, um, don't take too much zinc. Take like, you know, 15 milligrams or something before you go to bed because there's some really interesting stuff. We won't get into, we won't get into 5G and Wi-Fi and radiation, but people... Not this episode. Not this episode, but the, <laughs> the people that are the most sensitive have the highest zinc levels. So if you're taking a ton mm -hmm. of zinc, I think something's going on with the metals and the radiation. It's like, you know, it's like all of a sudden you're, you're an antenna. But um, uh, vitamin C for sure... Now, the other thing, it's funny because Runga, you know, one of the reasons why we've always gone to the beach or somewhere sunny and beautiful is because I've always been a humongous fan of vitamin D. And, you know, in the hardest time in my entire life, when I was bouncing back from traumatic brain injury and post-concussion syndrome and dealing with all kinds of just unforeseen complications that were seriously throwing a wrench into my health, when I finally turned a corner and realized I was going to be okay and all I needed to do was keep going. I took off, man. I, because I had for a year believed I was done and I wasn't even going to make it to 30 on two wow. feet. And when I was in my early twenties and I realized I was going to get through this, I took off. I, I left my, my job and I went to the Caribbean for months and just sat on the beach in the sun. And that's when I really like found my connection to the universe and that's when I really got into breathing and and quiet time and introspection and and everything else but it's also when I really got into vitamin D because I'm like holy smokes this earth this ground this sun like this is the circle of life you know it's not it's not just the doctor's office or the nutrition plan it's like you have to get out into nature you have to expose your skin to the sun you have to touch the earth you have to jump in the ocean and I started to get, that was about 10 years ago, I started to get crazy about vitamin D and breathing. And um, I have seen again and again and again and again, vitamin D all cause mortality. Vitamin D all cause mortality. The lower your vitamin D goes, the more often you die. And, and the research is abundantly clear, but I personally had never really said, um, the, the obvious connection was the immune system, right? Right. Um, the obvious connection is the immune system, but I had never said like take vitamin D so you don't get the flu or, you know, I had never made recommendations like that, but I always said like, Hey, like if that's down, you die with greater frequency 
and no further questions required. Like, let's just like get that shit up so we can, you know, not worry about it. Check that box because it's literally the easiest thing in the world to do. All you got to do is take a pill. It's the one thing that you just have to take a pill. And it was funny because it was also the marker that I could use in clients or athletes to see if they're following my program. Because if three months, six months later, your vitamin D is lower or the same, but I know I prescribed you five or 10,000 IU per day, then um, I don't, what, how do I know you're doing your mobility work? So it was kind of like the, the lie detector test of programming, but um, uh, vitamin C, a little bit of zinc before bed, vitamin D, which you've got to package up with K2, um, and ideally yeah. you're eating grass-fed butter or you're taking beef liver capsules um, for the vitamin A, which is another just absolutely prerequisite nutrient that that supports vitamin D and all its different jobs inside the body. So vitamin A, vitamin D, vitamin K, vitamin C, and zinc. Absolutely. You know, if you're afraid of a virus, that's going to do a hell of a lot more than a mask. Um, Yeah, man. Got to fill the tank, fill the tires with air, put some good music on the radio, open the sunroof, have some decent people in the car. Don't just focus on the seatbelt because chances are it's all the other things that are going to matter a hell of a lot more. Mm, that's such a great analogy. I love that analogy that's used for the car and the seatbelt and showing that the seatbelt is not the end-all be-all in the same way that a mask is not an end-all be-all. It's making sure that you're doing all of the things that's going to take care of the vehicle or in this case, your your body, right? And it's so much, like you said, it's so much deeper than just the vitamins and the minerals. It's also the social interaction piece. It's the it's the human it's the human part of being a human being, right? Is having that social interaction and also being able to mix that in with your own stillness practice. And you talked about yours in great depth of how you do take the time to go outside in nature bare feet on the ground, sun touching your bare skin, and being able to breathe at a really deep and effective level that can help and go such a long way. And the funniest thing about all of that is that they're either free or really inexpensive, <laughs> right? It doesn't, it doesn't take a lot to make that happen from a financial aspect. However, it can take a lot from us from a mindfulness aspect to get ourselves away from all the different distractions out there that seem to be endless um, in today's world and make a conscious effort to get outside, be still, and feed your body and your mind with the right things. It's huge. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's so interesting as we're talking about this now, I remember we're having a conversation and I can see how a lot of this is inspired by Leon Thor of speaking your truth and being in integrity with yourself so that down the road, if your son ever asks you what you did during this time, like you can proudly say all of these many ways that you went about informing people, helping people and serving people at a high level. What advice would you give to say people like me in my field, like I'm very much in, you know, health, wellness, personal development, 
I coach clients. And in the same way, I've had times where I'm just like, I don't want to talk about this thing because I'm afraid that like, hey, people might not even that they don't like it, but they're just going to take it and run with it in a whole different direction than what I intended. So like, what advice would you have for somebody like me and other coaches in this field to tap into their purpose and their authenticity and their integrity during this time? Yeah, man. And I'll tell you what, it's delicate. And the other thing too, depending on the medium. So I think, I think you gotta either way, however you choose to do it, uh, you absolutely need to kind of, uh, you know, keep one foot out of the conversation in a way only because you can get roped into it. So if I, you know, if I talk to uh, a family member that is, you know, sitting in, sitting on the couch right now wearing rubber gloves and a mask in their home watching CNN, like you got to realize the delicacy of that situation and that if you poke that, you know, you're going to you're going to really disrupt some of the underpinnings of of things that are so much deeper, some of the maybe psychological stuff that's going on, you know, the learned helplessness, the reliance on on somebody else to do our thinking, you know, because a lot of this you know, what I would call some of this brainwashing we're seeing now where the people defending a particular side the most are the ones that have done the least free thinking and research. And, um, and so when in that context, when you realize you might be poking a bear that is very insecure, um, you need to realize that you might be in for more than you're bargaining for. And you know, uh, the first week that I started to share this stuff, I way, I went way too far. Cause I just started, like, I felt invisible because it felt so good to speak my truth. It felt so good because I had bottled it up for two months and I just, you know, I was getting some positive feedback. So I just kept going. And then I ended up getting some folks that, you know, I, I rubbed the wrong way. Cause I started to use a little bit more like, you know, kind of, I started to like, feel good and I started to use maybe a little more like sarcasm and you know maybe music that was um, provoking or you know whatever so um, you got to be super careful because you can you know you don't know you've got a foot on a banana peel um, in some of these conversations Um, now I think if you're in touch with your purpose like my and my purpose is to empower people to live healthier and happier lives so I need to make sure that that's my theme. Hmm. And so when I share something, when I began to share, what I wanted to say was, uh, what I would love to say is that almost everything we're being told is false. And what I would have loved to say is that um, uh, this virus is nothing to be scared of. What I would have loved to say is that uh, all of these projections, all of the advice, the hand sanitizer, the mask is a bunch of baloney. But before I worked up the courage to say things that weren't quite that provocative, um, what did I do? I posted the 45 things I could think of off the top of my head that these same people have been wrong about. Mm. I started to say gluten, sweetener, sugar, uh, you know, light, uh, exercise, fruit, dairy, meat, fat, saturated fat, eggs, um, like, like every single thing, air quality, let this in the water. Don't let like, don't mind that going in the air. Let Monsanto do this. Like when we look at 
the number of things that people did not, the same people did not just get a little wrong, hmm. like got epically wrong, like 180 wow. <laughs> degrees wrong. And, you know, um, so I began that journey. Well, okay, I'm not going to touch the fear pyramid right now, but I'll touch the food pyramid. You know, mm. let me let me kind of go over here because, you know, this person has no idea that they're, you know, even on eggshells right now. So uh, that was the approach because that's empowering, right? Like think for yourself. Like you were told that wheat bread and egg whites was the way to go. It turns out like it's not. In fact, um, both of those things are bad advice. You'd be better off eating the yolks as long as they're from a good farm and you'd be better off having no bread at all. Um, so that was the approach I took. And then the other piece is now that I am kind of like, I kind of went down the road of, of, um, of, of poking the bear a little bit. And the, there was an interesting experience there. I can tell you about later if you want, but now that I'm coming back, if you look at my messaging, I posted yesterday, if you're going to play the game, play by the rules. Mm. If you're wearing the mask for the 35th time, you're not helping your you're definitely not helping yourself and you're definitely not helping anybody else so let's not get pissed if somebody you know isn't wearing a mask if you're wearing the mask for the 10th time because <laughs> if this thing lives on surfaces for 7 days and if you look back it was 14 days it was 2 days it was it didn't at all it was 7 days it was 4 days so it depends what month you watch the news but right. um <laughs> If we're going to believe that, then that means if I'm in danger of being contacted or, or, you know, infected at the grocery store and there's just these aerosols everywhere that are just all over the place, let's not go to the point, let's not tell the person that 97% of these particles get through the mask and that the minimal effective, minimal infective agent is one droplet, Hmm. which is 100 times smaller than the holes in an N95 mask. Right. And far smaller than the holes in a cloth mask let's not go there but let's say okay like if you went to the grocery store yesterday took that mask off threw it in your cup holder which by the way there's like change in and then you (laughs) put it back on and the particle from yesterday is still there and now you go in again and now you're in touch with somebody that's autoimmune or, or immunocompromised like you are you are a danger to society so I choose to now kind of educate on the rules of play and maybe mm. I'll poke fun at the fact that there's no biohazard bins. Like, let me play devil's advocate. If we're dealing with oh, wow. the if we're dealing with the most deadly virus in the history of mankind, how come people are trusted to throw their mask in the proper type of gro- I I have not seen one proper ba- biohazard bin in any grocery store or any essential business and every single day I see masks on the floor or on the ground outside of these businesses next to cigarettes half the time. So in this context, I don't even need to be provocative. I can just say I'm very concerned about the well-being. If this virus is as bad as we're being told, having a mask on the ground that someone has to pick up or someone could trip over or someone could accidentally, you know, come in contact with, that seems extremely dangerous. So... I would recommend that if people want to poke the bear, I would poke some of the holes in the blatantly obvious problems with this narrative as opposed to trying to question the narrative. Mm. Because if somebody's outsourced a lot of their thinking, they have to protect that thinking with everything they've got because there's nothing behind it. Man, so well put, so well said. And I never even thought about that, how there's no 
you know, biohazard, biohazard bins for any of these masks. Like, that's not even in, like, my lexicon. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't even think of that. So that's an amazing point. That's something I wanted to look deeper into myself. Well, and go I to look- a hospital, Danny, and I'm so sorry to, to jump in and take the ball oh, back. No, I just, ahead. like, look how they treat masks in hospital settings, right? Like, I just had a podcast with Dr. Ara Sapaya, who's uh, a frontline doc. He's also the private physician for a lot of the world's best golfers. But mm-hmm. we're talking about a frontline, uh, frontline doc. So look how they put on gloves. They put on gloves in such a way that they don't touch where the, you know, they don't touch the outside of the glove that they're, that they're, you know, going to be touching the, the surgery patient with. When they take right. those gloves off, they take them off in a very specific way because they're contaminated. When they're off, they fold up onto themselves and they put them into a biohazard bin. And it's the same with the mask. I'll tell you what, if you're going to have surgery, Danny, are you going to want a mask? Are you want doctor, the doctor to pull his mask out of his glove box that he wore on five different patients this week, throw it on, <laughs> like wash his hands after he put the mask on with the hand sanitizer as he's walking into the store, then, you know, touch everything in the store and then touch the mask again, pay with your credit card you haven't washed in three years. Like, so there's so many problems with this narrative, but all we need to look at, look at is how hand sanitizer, masks and gloves are used in hospital settings and how far we are from that in our current use of them to say any research that is pointed to by the folks saying masks work mm. are pointing to hospital usage of them, not take it from the cup holder with your change, put it on, take it off, put it on the table that may or may not have been clean, drink your coffee, put it back on. Like, to me, this is madness. It's so interesting because what comes up for me, it's like, when people do use those arguments about the effectiveness of gloves, masks, and sanitizer, it's a completely different context, completely different. Mm-hmm. And, but yet the way that they go about it in their own life, it's almost like they're trying to equate how they use those things in the same way that it happens, you know, in a surgical center, in a doctor's office, hospital, wherever. And, it's not even close. Like it's not even apples to oranges. It's like apples to car tires. Like it's, <laughs> com- co- it's completely out of there. And and I think it's a good point. It's something that I think has been helping me um, have these conversations with people is, is coming from a place of compassion. Yeah. Because I get to understand that I get to meet people where they're at. And if I understand that the person I'm talking to is, with a lot of fear, a lot of uncertainty that, you know, they're going to want something to cling on to, right? They, they want that tribal feeling. They want to feel a part of something. So to just try to like shit on whatever it is that they believe or that they're doing, it's not going to be effective, right? And it's going to close them off right away. So think about how I can access compassion, meet them where they're at and be able to have a conversation from that space has allowed me to to get my points across a lot more effectively than I think they would have otherwise. 100% brother. And, um, I, I completely, completely agree. You know, it's an extremely delicate scenario because the level of fear, um, that has been portrayed or driven into people, uh, over the last year or six months at this point, you can't blame them for anything that they may be thinking, feeling, you know, I, I, it's it's amazing, Danny, when we fear is an extremely dangerous 
human emotion. Uh, first of all, you know, if you read why zebras don't get ulcers or any of Robert Sapolsky's work, it's like as soon as you're fearful, your immune system is just ramped way down. Um, and that's where a lot of these, even some of these suicides, I believe, are coming from because at a certain level of fear, you start to want to cut your losses, right? Or, you know, you, you start to, you know, uh, get really depressed and sad. And, um, and the other piece is too, is when you, when you poke a hole in the narrative, like now they don't actually, there's this, you're putting them into a place where they don't know what to believe. So they were on, like I started this podcast with you. It's like you were on a lily pad. Like if you push them off the lily pad, that's actually a worse place for them because they've never been there before. And so we absolutely have to maintain that position. And, um, and remember too, that a lot of these people are amazing hearts and souls and they act, they really truly believe they're saving lives. And, you know, I, I had some messages with one of my coaching clients and, you know, he was very disappointed in, in the way that I was coming out about masks. And he said, dude, you're, you're costing this country lives. And hmm. I disagree. Yes, but I have to respect his position and the way that he's viewing the world. Um, and I, it wouldn't do me any good to, to, to provoke him too much without kind of trying to get through to him on the level that, that I'm trying to, or, or try to explain myself. But, um, it's a very, um, wild time. And so I think that analogy of if you're going to push someone off their lily pad, make sure you catch them with something because, right. um, these are good people that are extremely scared. Now, the last thing I'll say is that what I'm pushing my social media following to see is that the mask in many ways is a Livestrong bracelet. It is a AIDS ribbon from the early 90s. Um, it is a sign of, of solidarity. It is a sign of awareness. It is, you know, the research, they, if, if you ask me, the research suggests they don't work. And my guess is in the manner that not 80% of people are using them, they don't work at all. In fact, they're probably worse. And medical, medical authorities from countries like the UK and that are less close to this and less politically driven are, are saying the same exact thing. And I'm in Amsterdam right now. There's absolutely no masks. I haven't seen a mask since I've been here. Sweden obviously isn't having any problems with COVID uh, or at least not worse than the US is with the massive restrictions and lockdowns. Um, but I think when we, when we look at the mask, as the Livestrong bracelet um, from the Lance Armstrong era or the uh, AIDS ribbon, you realize these are compassionate people that want to do good. These are, these are people that um, they want to stand, they want to fight, they want to do their part to the threat that they believe exists. Now, um, we can't fault them for that, but um, when we look at it through that lens, I don't know if that's helpful or not, but I hope it's helpful because if we think about them wearing the mask as a sign of their support of frontline doctors, their support of people that are ill, the support of uh, those that have lost loved ones, mm -hmm. forget the arrows they might be slinging because of their belief in what the mask is actually there for. Um, we, can, we can kind of like hold our shield up and maybe take some of those hits. But I think to your point, seeing them in that light should help are meandering with purpose. Mm.
I love that. I love that, Joe. That's such a, it's a really, for me, a comforting way to view it and to think about it because I never really looked at it in the light of the mask being this sign of solidarity. However, after you explain it, I can see how a person wearing their mask is partially saying like, hey, like, I'm here to, to help everybody. I'm here to be part of the solution. And to take that away from somebody, but if I told them like, oh, that's not effective, you know, that's not, that's not going to work either, per se. So if we understand what the mask is representing and maybe separate that from what the mask actually does, and this is just for myself, right, and how, and how I try to rationalize, you know, people wearing it and, and, and not that I'm against people wearing it, like people can do what they want to do. I guess for me, it's always when people are nasty to somebody else who isn't wearing it. But uh, but now I can see more clearly, you know, why that might have someone be so upset. And just like how I answered it on your poll, you know what I mean? It's like the biggest reason why I wear a mask is because I want, I just don't want to hear shit from people, honestly. Like it's more so to protect my peace than it is my, my health and my immune system, right? Because just like you said, when our, our stress levels goes up, our immune system goes down. So, you know, that's where I stand it. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a firm believer of treating people like adults, letting them do what it is that they do to a certain extent, right? Like if it's not going to be harming myself or, or, or my other loved ones, that's one thing. But with the situation that we're in now, like you said, it is a very delicate situation. And I think the more conversations that we have like this can really allow people to one, be better informed, and two, access a level of compassion no matter where it is that they stand um, in this battle of uh, COVID-19. Right, man. And, and if I can say one other thing, and I'm just like resonating with what you're saying, and it's, it's helping me as well to kind of sink these ideas in. But when I think about some of the more challenging endurance, uh, endurance events, that I've done, um, hell yeah, there were times that I was scared, dude. Like I got complete hyperthermia once, um, hypothermia, not hyper, um, <laughs> complete hypothermia, you know, at the top of Squaw Valley in the water at mile 10 of a 15 mile race. And, um, but the crazy thing is when you know something's wrong and you get out of that water, and you're scared and you're fearful and you're like, shit, are my fingers going to like fall off or like, um, am I going to be okay? And you start having these thoughts. The funny thing is, is you feel like absolute garbage and you're really just stuck in your own mind. But when you get to an aid station, where people are handing out Gatorade and, and, um, and uh, maybe like some of the chomps, sugary things, not that I would eat those, but <laughs> you, fa you, you get this burst, you get this burst of energy and all of a sudden I forget that I have hypothermia. I forget that I'm worried I'm gonna lose a finger. I'm worried that you know uh, I'm not gonna finish this event that I trained a year for, but you forget all that when you see a smile. 
And so my problem as it relates to, or my desire to inform people a little bit more is because in a state of fear, eliminating the human connection that's rooted in facial expression and especially smiles, I think is, is a real like kicking someone when they're down. So you imagine if you're hypothermic and you get to this aid station and you just have four more miles to go and then you can camp out in the medical tent till Tuesday. Um, <laughs> And you imagine the only thing that's going to get you through are seeing smiles in your fellow man. Right. And if they were to be taken from you, you wouldn't finish that event. You would not make it. You'd give up. You'd, you'd find the first person that, you know, thought like you did or that was in trouble too. And you would call for help and have a helicopter come get you or something. Um, you'd give up. And so I think, you know, my real, and you, you mentioned Runga and, and the energy at our event, we postponed our event this year, not because we couldn't do it, but because some folks would have expected social distance and masks that attended. And we knew our event couldn't stand. That's our, that's our product. Right. So if I can't be true, when we got to have a ghost between each person at dinner and we have to you know, have uh, masks on and we can't exercise too heavily anywhere near each other. And all of a sudden it's like, I worry about the outcome that I am, am, am trained and, and equipped to provide. So as it relates to the, the fear, um, one of the, the positive outcomes that maybe we can all kind of hinge on. And again, I'm just thinking off the cuff because of the things that you were, you were saying is the position of, I need to see a smile at least a couple of times a day. And mm. if I'm fearful, I need to double that dose and I need to triple that dose. And if that person says to me, hey, Joe, uh, your, you know, your email the other day really helped me get on two feet. Your, your note the other day, your personal message, your program, your YouTube video, your Instagram helped me get connected with myself and helped mm. me stop fearing uh, my children or, you know, whatever the case may be as it relates to some of the hysteria right now where, you know, I've talked to clients, coaching clients who's, you know, whose kids are, you know, in the split home and the mother has a job where she's, you know, in a hospital and the dad doesn't. And then when the kids come in from staying with mom, like, so it's creating these, wow. these amazingly dramatic, just completely heartbreaking situations. And, um, so maybe that's an area, just the idea that, over, you know, uh, I don't remember the exact percentage. It's been a while and I've been talking a lot, but you know, whatever it is, 90% of communication is nonverbal, right? And it might be 80 mm. and if anyone's fact checking, but when we take that away and we replace it with anger behind a mask, like I just, I am terrified at the repercussions, even if the masks worked, even if the masks worked, what are we at? What cost? Mm. Mm. It's powerful. It's powerful and something that's coming up for me now and for all the listeners, it's going forward when we're outside, like even if we have our mask on, like thinking about how big a simple wave at somebody would go or just, you know, smile, trying to smile through the mask and, and try to instill a little bit of hope and humanity into another person would go such a far way. And also the importance of, hitting up our friends and our family and like checking in on them and seeing how everyone is doing. And instead of maybe getting into the 
typical, you know, political conversations or, you know, all of the quote unquote negative things that are going on in the world. It's take the time to celebrate each other, to talk about the great things that are going on, to talk about everything that you're grateful for, practice gratitude together. And I think that's a way going forward that we can somewhat offset this lack of human connection and interaction that the mask does take away. Absolutely, brother. And, um, and, um, yeah. And and I think back to where we kind of began is, you know, when we get into the car, I'm not going to tell you to not wear your seatbelt. Granted, the seatbelt might be the mask to one person. It might be social distance to another person. It might, the mask might be a hug to somebody else. So right. when we, when we look at this, whatever your seatbelt is, I'm not going to tell you not to wear it, but you will be more comfortable knowing that this person, like I said, if we push them off the lily pad, we got to give them something else. Absolutely. Give them there to catch that person, catch that person. And you can catch them with vitamin D. You can catch them with vitamin C, vitamin A. There's countless videos and YouTubes from, from people that are far smarter than me talking about this stuff. And um, when you look at, you know, um, just like my mom as an example. So my mom lost my dad two years ago and she just began to really find herself and she was going to yoga like almost every day. She was, you know, she had all these little circles and book clubs and churches and, uh, well, only one church, but church and, and yoga. And like all of that just fell away. And so now she's in her apartment and, you know, her, you know, her best friends are afraid to hang out and she's in this place. And now her sister's coming up. Um, her sister's coming up to visit who lives down south somewhere. And um, I'm like, all right, mom, here's the deal. Like, you're going to live your life. You know, we know Auntie Jo is, is, takes care of herself. She's good. You know, don't worry about the plane. She's socially distanced. She's going to be wearing a mask. She's going to be you know, wearing goggles, but here's what I want you to do before you, before she arrives for five days, you're going to double down on your vitamin D, your vitamin K, your vitamin A, your vitamin C, your zinc. You're going to double down for five days. And when she gets to your house and she's going to stay for five days, you're going to put her on the regimen and you're going to be there. And then other than that, that's your intervention. That's your mask. That's your social distance. You haven't seen your sister in a year. You guys are going to live a normal life. You're going to go get some dinner. You're going to have a good time. You're going to, you know, my mom doesn't drink, but get a bottle of wine anyway. So it's yeah. this like push them off their lily pad, but give them the lily pad of truth. And I am willing to bet that reducing fear and adding DAK, all these vitamins I've been talking about, is going to do more for them, for anybody, especially over the age of 60 than the mask alone is. I would, I would take, I would love, Danny, if I could do a little experiment here, and it's gonna be double blind, placebo controlled, you know, the whole nine, and we're gonna look at somebody that goes and hangs out with 10, 10 Dannys and Joes that are vitamin D optimized, that are taking vitamin C, that are taking zinc, that are eating clean, that are sleeping well, that are mindful, that are meditating, that are journaling, that are introspecting, that help others, that are doing their thing. No masks, and we're gonna hang out in a room for 25 minutes and hug, and we're gonna arm wrestle, 
and we're gonna <laughs> you know we're gonna play cards and we're gonna um, you know kiss each other's foreheads and you know we're gonna do this versus the other room where we bring ten fearful people that are eating McDonald's and Burger King, which by the way are getting in on this whole thing. McDonald's is sponsoring COVID testing sites and Burger King is now giving out masks with so with crazy. the order on the mask. So like the mask says like a large fry with a Coke. And so when you walk in or whatever, you don't have to even have any human exchange, no facial expression, no verbal, just look at my mask. And I don't know how that's sanitary. I don't know, I'm like, is there just a five gallon jug of masks at the entrance? I don't know, but- um, but if you think about somebody that, you know, you take the room of Danny's and Joe's and then you take the room of, of uh, you know, somebody that had a McDonald's for lunch that doesn't even know what vitamin D is that's got a mask on and those people are maintaining social distancing. Where's the sickness going to happen? Hmm. Where is the sickness going to happen? I'll tell you what, it's not going to be in Danny and Joe's club. Damn right. Hell no. I love that. I love that. There's one of the biggest takeaways I've gotten from you, Joe, and all of this. It's when I'm having discussions with people on these issues it's providing them with other solutions that can potentially help them and and helping them reframe how they go about being safe and being healthy and that you know if they do want to wear a mask well hey your your mask wearing is going to be so much more effective because you are working on getting the right vitamins the right minerals the sunlight the grounding the gratitude journaling, the meditation, the mindfulness, the, the self-reflection, you do all of those things and that's going to help you even more with the mask than if you just had the mask on its own. Especially when it's not, not yesterday's mask. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. I love that, Joe. Man, Joe, thank you so much for your time, for your, your knowledge, your introspection, and all the ways that people can better themselves physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually during these times. Where can everyone listening find you? Uh, well, I'm, I'm Coach Joe D.I. everywhere, all one word, YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, um, Twitter. I've got like four followers on Twitter. I just got it. <laughs> um, Coach Joe D.I. just about everywhere. But check out Runga. You know, we are in the process of, we've been talking about this, Danny, since back when you joined us and you know, we know that when people come to a live event, you know, they need a community that sustains them, right? And so in recent years, I started to offer, you know, pre and post event coaching calls and connections and touch bases and Zoom meetings. And, you know, I, I've, I've kind of dabbled with a few different things. Um, but anyways, it's been a real awareness that we need some kind of community nurturing before and after events because that'll make events even more effective and ensure that people sustain the lessons that they take from the event for the long term. Now we've been talking and, and building and, and considering and, and weighing all these different options for a couple of years and they always kind of take a backseat. Well now, you know, live events are threatened and you know, our whole 2020 we had all sorts of like corporate private events and all different business um, kind of lines of business that we'd never really done at a high level before on the books. And, you know, that just someone just steamrolled that whole year. And granted, look right. what it's done for us. You know, we moved to Europe. We've been here since March. And, you know, we, um, we've had this opportunity to really stay, you know, that whole, as, as many curveballs as coronavirus threw our way as it relates to our third trimester of pregnancy and traveling to Europe and, and having a baby and, 
and ensuring that baby is safe and protected and uh, that Amelia's energy remains calm because he's getting all those hormones too. Um, right. For all those, you know, curveballs, we also got more time sitting at the same table, looking into each other's eyes, sleeping in the same bed, hanging out, spending time with the kid than we ever would have had if I was back home running corporate events, speaking, etc. So it's kind of an interesting thing with the timing with our with our child. Um, but knowing this, uh, we are in the process of fast tracking this online community, and it is absolutely amazing. Our friend uh, Danielle, that does uh, quite a bit of work for us, is building this thing out. And this is the first time I've ever really told anybody about it, and you can um, leave it in or take it out. But we're, um, everything folks need is there. And what it is, Danny, is um, it is social media, so people can follow members of the community and members of the community can contribute. And then there's just this stockpile of information, assets, and empowerment that are based mm. on you know, the last three or four years that I've been doing more and more and more high-level coaching with professional athletes, executives, high performers. You know, I've got just folders of PDFs where I've got, you know, liver detox protocols, intermittent fasting protocols, fasting mimicking diet protocols, um, all sorts of different exercise plans, recommendations that I give to these coaching clients. And now those are just, many of those are just available for this community. So you're getting wow. um, a ton of assets. And then there's also, um, I'm going to save uh, one piece of the, you know, one piece, piece of the offer that I'm most excited about for folks Ooh. because um, I gotta I gotta leave a little bit of a tease, but the best part um, is yet to come, and you guys can see when we launch this thing. But um, follow Runga uh, Runga Life on Instagram, rungalife.com, one word, all lowercase. Um, sign up for the newsletter. You know that's if you go rungalife.com/newsletter or coachdodi.com/newsletter. You know you can sign up for that and get and be the first to know. But um, this community is going to be community driven, and that's your mm. that's your hint as to the stone I did not unturn, which is I'll give you another hint, which is how much you actually pay to be a member. Um, wink, wink. It's community driven, and so I am so mm. excited to basically allow people wherever they're at, like you talked about, Danny, and what you do best with your clients is you meet people where they're at. And that's kind of the idea. And so we're going to be making available my time, coach's time. When you and I talk after the show, you know, we want to get you involved in some way. But all of a sudden, folks, wherever they may be at right now with the economy and jobs and coronavirus, um, there's going to be a place for them here. And they're going to have access to experts and information that uh, is normally reserved for um, people that that are that are paying substantially more so that's it my man i i appreciate you danny i uh mr you can too man i love your stuff i follow your instagram taking the walks the power walks every day <laughs> i am just a fan man and i think you're doing amazing things and amelia and i both miss you and we look forward to seeing you again at some point real soon and you know whenever this dust settles and we feel good enough to come back to the united states you know we will We'll be there and maybe stop by Florida. We'll see. Oh, I would love that so much. And man, I appreciate you coming by. And I'm so excited for what this online virtual Runga community is going to look like. And I can only imagine 
how much impact is going to bring to people's lives to be able to interact and learn in such a way. And you already know any way that you need me, uh, I'm there. So we're going to make that happen. All right, brother. Hey, Danny, right, thanks for the time, you, my, my man. man. Yeah, this was a real pleasure and joy. And I, uh, I look forward to, to hearing it and pushing it out to wherever I can push it out and getting this information to people. And I appreciate you doing this, man. And even as a podcast host, it's not easy to talk about these topics and provoke them because, you know, of all the things we talked about in this show. So I appreciate your courage and, and your willingness to kind of kind of fall on this sword and speak some truth because it's, it's a courageous it's a courageous act these days and not a lot of people are doing it. So thank you for your truth and, and inviting me on here today. Hey, it's my pleasure, brother. And real quick, where it, what is your podcast and where can people find you there? Uh, my podcast is stacked with Joe DiStefano and you can find it at coachjodi.com. Just click podcast and you'll see I've got uh, 55 or 60 episodes depending on when this goes live and we're starting season two right now and we're about to do a best hey. of season one which is our first 55 Ooh. episodes and we're going to take little snippets of of all our most listened to shows and the most provocative things that we shared and make it all in one big episode and then we'll start season two and uh yeah so stacked if you google it it's itunes it's it's uh don't use google though use DuckDuckGo. um it's go. itunes it's uh spotify um stitcher wherever else Find podcasts are sold. I love it. Appreciate you, Joe. You're the man. Hey, Danny. Right back at you, brother.